to the Publisher Book Podcast, where we speak with authors from around the world to find out how they transform their dream into a published reality. Here's your host, Adam Ashton. Today I'm speaking with Sten Morgan. Sten Morgan's written a, a new book. It's called Seven Mindsets of Success. Subtitled, What You Really Need to Do to Achieve Rapid Top-Level Success. So the book is out now on Amazon uh, as like the, the e-book version. And the, the hard copy, uh, the paperback version, is, is not out yet. It's coming out. It's launching uh, July 4th, so in, about, uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it was great to be able to talk to Sten uh, before the official launch uh, of his book. So we talk about uh, some of the things involved in the seven mindsets of success. I thought it was really interesting. And then we talked about his process of going towards a, a hybrid publisher. So not self-published, uh, not someone with a, a traditional publisher, but somewhere in between hybrid publishing. So that, that's uh, really awesome as well. So you can check him out at stenmorgan.com. That's S-T-E-N-M-O-R-G-A-N.com. Or Google him or type into Amazon and you'll find his book, Seven Mindsets of Success. Yeah, so the book's called The Seven Mindsets of Success, and uh, I grew up in a tough situation, single mom, three sisters and me, no money really, moved about 27 times before I was in high school, and wow. yeah, gr- growing up that way, eventually you think of success as something that happens to other people. Mm. You also think that success is just defined by making a lot of money, and if you make money, everything else is okay. Mm. And so that was really my path for a long time. And as I as I got older and started achieving success in my industry of financial advising and money management, I started realizing that it was not just the tasks I did on a daily basis that made me successful because a lot of other people are doing the same things as me. In sales, people are making the same number of calls and going to the same events as I was, but I was experiencing dramatically different results and became one of the top financial advisors, uh, young financial advisors in the country before I was 30. Mm. And while living in a new city and not knowing anybody, um, which is typically not the recipe for success when you're in sales. So going through that, people took notice and, and my goal was to share it's it's not where you come from. A lot of people have adversity and they define themselves by that adversity, but success is possible for anybody. And habits nice. are important, but it's a lot about the mindsets you have that make those habits successful. Nice. I'm keen to dig into um, some of those mindsets, but uh, I like that you said that you know a lot of people doing the same day-to-day tasks uh, and that a lot of people in the in the same jobs are probably doing the same things and the same everyday things and thinking that's the the way to become successful. But what were some of the, uh, what does it take, I guess, to go beyond that? What were some of the things you're doing that most people weren't? A big one for me early in my career was learning to embrace discomfort. Mm. That's one of the mindsets that when you really internalize that greatness happens when you're challenging yourself, and you actually start pursuing discomfort or uncomfortable things, success quickly follows. Fantastic. I love that. What sort of, uh, what were some of those, those uh, things that you went out and did that, that people weren't doing in terms of getting outside your comfort zone? One thing I did, I, I took an intensive 
three day speaking training course. Mm -hmm. and, and it was all day in front of 50 people where they were filming you, critiquing you. It was one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done. Wow. And public, public speaking is up there next to death on the future. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it was for me. Sometimes even ahead <laughs> in some ahead. cases. And so I think doing that, that opened up so many doors and, and I made it through the three, the three days, the world didn't come to an end. Um, and it just opened up my mind to what I was capable of. And mm. that typically is what happens when somebody conquers a fear or takes on a new challenge. They look and they say, Hey, I thought that was my limit, but now what's next? Uh huh. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think, um, public speaking seems to be a big one that always comes up in that becoming a good public speaker makes you better at what you do because um, it just makes you a better communicator, I guess, in not just when you're speaking in front of hundreds of people, but in everyday one-on-one um, -on -one conversations as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was, uh, that was a big one for you, that, that three-day public speaking course. Oh, yeah. And I then love another, that. Yeah, another piece that was important for me as I kind of grew my business and became successful was the, the mindset of perspective. And, and growing up the way I did, and I had multiple father figures kind of come in and out of my life, and, and a few of them I've never seen since. And you learn, and you don't. I didn't recognize when I was young that all of those experiences are clouding your mindsets toward towards life and, and perspective from others. So I mm -hmm. rejected what anybody told me. I didn't trust what anybody had to say. Mm -hmm. and it took me years to realize that the fact that I wasn't willing to listen to other people, uh, con take constructive criticism, was holding me back. So step one for me was learning to one, just take constructive criticism. And then uh -huh. as I, as I mastered that mindset, I was like, Hey, I'm actually going to go seek out criticism ah, yeah, to, to gain perspective and kind of shorten the learning curve as much as I can. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, def that's definitely another thing that most people don't do to actively seek it out. <laughs> I think most people prefer to get the, the good news rather than seeking out constructive criticism. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. definitely oh. something different. Yeah, most of our instinct is to kind of argue right away why we're right and why somebody else is wrong, and and I was that way for for a long time. But to be able to listen to somebody and, and recognize maybe a hundred percent of what they're saying is not true, but even if ten percent is, and I can learn from that, I don't need to waste a bunch of time arguing or, or telling people why they're wrong and I'm right. Because at the end of the day, perception drives reception, and if other people's reality is is opposite than yours, there, there could be some truth in that. Um, mm. So I, I wasted a lot of time battling that idea yeah 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 for sure fantastic um the other thing i i like that you mentioned at the start um when you were talking about success was you were saying that um you thought that success happened to other people and you thought um that success just meant money um so uh i guess my my, my question is um how can people sort of go about defining their their own um, definition of success rather than just thinking that success equals money. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the other things that come into play for success? That's a great question. I think the uh, one tool I've used over time is this idea of one of the mindsets is future self is really trying to envision having a conversation with yourself, whether it's one, two, three, four years down the road and it, it being an mm -hmm. honest conversation of saying, what, what do I need to do between now and then to be proud of that meeting? Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, as I've tried to get better at that mindset is envisioning to say, you know, I've, I've seen people with a lot of money and they don't seem happy. Mm. So money happens to come. If you're pursuing your passion and you're really good at it, 
most of the time people make a lot of money, you know, but if it's your main goal, a lot of times you'll maybe reach it, you'll make a lot of money, but you'll just need to make more and more. Uh, so so I think, I think money is a indicator of success. If it's your main motivation and your only goal, I think it leaves people wanting. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 yeah I'd say that's spot on. Um, so what are the other things that, uh, that mean success to you now rather than just money? Big one for me, I, th- I think growing up the way I did, not having a father figure for a long time and is balance in life. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that I just got named as one of the top 40 under 40 advisors in the country, yet I get home at 5.15 every day and don't really work on the weekends mm-hmm. because my daughters and wife are important to me. I think that the goal there is to show people it's like, hey, you can become really successful and you're not, you don't have to sacrifice everything. Mm-hmm. But what it does mean is that the time you spend working has to be so intentional that you're accomplishing in eight hours what other people do in 15. That's so true. And I think a lot of people do get caught up in um, in thinking that the longer they're there, it means they're seen as working harder. But mm-hmm. as you say, if you, can, if you can do the same work in half the time, the same work's still getting done. And um, I'd rather hire someone who can do 15 hours of work in eight hours <laughs> and someone who has who sits around all day and looks busy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, business a lot of the times is it can kind of grow on itself. If somebody comes in and they're not productive and they're not seeing results, they get more frustrated, less productive. Mm. And the way I find it is it's their mindset towards whatever they're doing is just becoming clouded. And where habits are a great thing, we all need to develop good habits. If if you change a mindset for the better or for the worse, it impacts everything you do. And we've all met people in our life that it seems like everything they do, they do well at. Mm-hmm. It's because they approach it the right way. They, they've identified and, and work on these mindsets. And as a result, every habit you try to take on, every new challenge, it seems that you just are more successful because you approach it the right way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, for sure. So, Matt, we sort of dug um, without uh, – um, being uh, very obvious about it. we sort of dug into a, a, a whole bunch of the mindset. So um, yeah. you've got your, your future self we talked about. Um, we talked about perspective. We talked about discomfort, time balance. Um, some of the other ones we missed, uh, if you wouldn't mind um, speaking to a little bit, was uh, removing a safety net. So what does that involve? Yeah, that was a big one for me because when I grew up and we experienced a lot of discomfort all the time. And so the goal was to get comfortable and never leave that space. And for me, that was a comfortable job making enough money. Mm. And so when I was 24, I was making over $100,000 a year, financially secure, more money than most people in my family ever made. And I realized that being in a comfortable place, making enough money was a safety net for me. It was holding me back because I'd eliminated a lot of the risk in my life. Uh huh. And so that mindset's about helping people identify what's that thing that you that makes you feel better but is truly actually holding you back. Mm. Unless it's a comfortable job that we really don't like, but we're just staying there because we're going to settle for it. Uh huh. For other people, I know I talk to college students, it's their parents seem to bail them out every time they get in trouble. Mm. So if you can recognize the safety nets or the things in your life that make you feel better and actually realize that they're holding you back, that's an mm. important mindset to constantly evaluate. Hey, am I, are these things holding me back or are they propelling me forward? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And that safe net comes in, um, 
yeah, as you, as you mentioned, different forms and from different areas for different people, but it's definitely important to recognize that. I've got a couple of safety nets on my own at the moment as you were talking. I, I was I was thinking about, <laughs> so maybe I need to get rid of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, another one we uh, haven't talked about yet is uh, is circumstances. So what does the mindset of, of circumstances evolve, involve? This mindset's about identifying the, the 90% of things around us that we really have zero control over. Uh, yes. For me, the biggest thing was growing up when you have multiple father figures come and go, you, you start questioning what value do I have if they can leave um, and not look back. If, if somebody can leave that way, then who can you really trust? And those things started defining me, and, uh, and they did for a long time uh, and gave me a chip on my shoulder, hurt me in a lot of areas of my life. And when I started to realize I couldn't have controlled or changed any of that, but if I can start focusing my energy on the 10% of things I can control, mm. how more effective could I be? Mm. And I think we all have that in our lives, things that we hold on to that blame ourselves for, that we can't go back and change, that we probably had very little, if any, control over. But we spend way too much time and energy focused on those. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, we definitely... Yeah, as you say, things in the past... Um, don't matter anymore and uh a lot of as you said yeah 90 percent of the stuff you, you can't control so it's not worth wasting your your mental energy on that's yeah I, I definitely agree with that one and i think the the final one we haven't touched on it is is conflict um so can, can you talk to the the mindset of conflict yeah i spent a lot of time avoiding conflict um I think I'm in the same boat. <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was where I would, uh, and I swung the pendulum the other way to where I was so eager to engage, and it was it was always too quickly, it wasn't well thought out, and it, it ruined relationships too. Whether that was in business, sports, life in general, as I started realizing that if I engage in conflict with somebody, if I can do it well, it can improve that relationship. Some of the best relationships I have at times, we almost went to blows, you know, some of my good buddies and cause conflict is inevitable on the path to success or to mm. a true depth in any relationship. So it can mm. reveal good relationships and make them better, or it can reveal relationships that need to end. Um, I've had team members in the past that there's things that just go unsaid too long. And once you get to the, the heart of it, you reveal that, Hey, they're unhappy and they need to move on. And, and it's for the better. But if you just continue to avoid conflict, you're really missing out and you're not gaining the perspective you need. Mm, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so, so if, I, um, if I'm right in saying that, so you, it's not good to always avoid conflict. You need a little bit of conflict, but uh, don't go over the top searching for it too much. So find that nice uh, balance where you're not afraid of conflict, but you're not seeking it out every single time. Is that sort of right? Oh, yeah. And I feel even to the younger folks, people coming out of college, entering the workforce, I think this is something that surprises most of them, you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of times they've been sheltered from it. They've either just not engaged in it. But when you enter a competitive workforce or start engaging in business with people, conflict is a daily occurrence mm -hmm. and you need to learn how to deal with it. And the, one, the people that deal with it the best are the ones that are the most successful. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, so in terms of the the book, so we sort of were, were just talking before it starts. So the book's uh, launching on the 4th of July, um, yep. 2017, in case anyone's listening years into the future. Um, and it's currently out on, on Kindle. Yeah. So who would, who would you say this book is for? I feel it speaks directly to the entrepreneurs and people looking to 
elevate their business or even just pursue their full potential. When we were writing the book, it, the goal was to say, hey, I think we all are in a place to where at some point in our life, and this, this process begins when we're all really young, our mindsets are being formed by forces outside of our own. And the more I've talked and interviewed people, I realize 90% or more of people don't even realize this is happening. Uh-huh. They don't understand that these mindsets have been clouded and altered. And one, you have to recognize they're there, and then you have to focus on improving them to be more successful. So I think mm-hmm. it definitely has a broad application. Uh, but the, the immediate response came from entrepreneurs or people in business that are trying to elevate their game to the next level. Mm, yep. So I love that. Fantastic. And um, I guess my uh, if we're sort of going to switch gears now towards the 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 process behind the book, if that's okay. Um, yeah. I guess why, why did you decide to to write a book? Um, it's not an easy thing to do, that's for sure. So why, why did you decide to take up the challenge? Yeah, I think, and it was something I never imagined doing. It's probably one of those things on a lot of people's lists that if they get around to it mm. someday in life, that would be a neat project. Mm. But as I experienced the success I did coming from the situation I had when I was young, a lot of adversity, everything saying you're not going to be successful in life, especially in finance when you came from nothing, there at some point became almost a sense of obligation to say, man, if I'm experiencing these results and I'm watching people on a daily basis be frustrated and disappointed with their lives and and their pursuits, there was an obligation to say, I need to get the word out there. And if this helps a few people, I hope it helps a lot more. But even if it just helped a few people kind of shake loose and heal those mindsets, then it was kind of my duty to do it. Yep. Yeah, no, fair enough. And and I guess what was the the process behind bringing it to reality? And I'll, I'll dive into a few specific questions. But um, yeah, when when did you sort of start? And now that it's all coming together, how how did you find the whole process? Started probably a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. And step one for me was okay. I have all these thoughts in my mind. I'm just going to start putting them down on paper. And so I, I started just writing and typing ideas, concepts, chapter headings, as it came to me, really in no particular form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And that ended up with probably 30 pages of notes and thoughts. Uh, step two was saying, okay, well, how, do, how do you organize this in a book or even a workbook? I didn't even know right away what the deliverable was going to be to people. Uh-huh. But as I started breaking it down into chapters and an intro and the the main motivation behind the book is generosity. The the better you do, the more you can give back. Mm. It started turning into a book, and I was like, okay, well, how do you publish a book? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I started talking to people I knew, and uh, I joined a mastermind group of other authors and speakers to learn more. And it was kind of back to my mindset of perspective that it's like, okay, if if I think I'm going to do this, I can kind of fumble along and, and take two or three years to do it, or I can pursue perspective to figure out, hey, how have other people done this and how have they done it well? Yes. And through that process, I got introduced to a publisher uh, who I think only accepts maybe 300 books a year out of 5,000 submissions. Mm. I I wrote a letter, sent the book in with a ghostwriter that had helped me and got a letter back a month later saying they accepted the book. And that was a shock. Mm. So pieces kind of were falling into place, but I was intentionally looking into the process. I know you could self-publish. You could go to a traditional publisher. There's hybrid models out there. The more somebody can educate themselves about the process and what it looks like today to 
to publish a book, the more likely they are to be successful as opposed to just hoping it works out or, or stumbling along. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a big piece of advice I've passed to other people is to say, hey, if this is even something you're considering, interview five people that have done it. And you'll be much more successful with the process as opposed to just Googling it online or accepting the first offer you get from some hybrid publisher or something like that. Yes, for sure. And so you talked about how you had a whole bunch of of um, ideas and 30 pages of notes. Um, so was this before the book was even, you know, the seven mindsets of success? Did the, was it always something around, you know, the mindsets and success or did that sort of come later down the track? Yeah, that, that took shape, the title and even the thought of the mindset. As I was writing the thoughts, originally it was here's my best practices. Here's what I've done in my business to be successful. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought on it, and I mentioned this earlier, was that I realized people are doing the same things I'm doing, but why are they experiencing dramatic mm. results? And I see people try the same habits as other people, and I said, I think there's something behind that. I think there's something that really successful people have in common because there's a lot of different ways people can become successful. A lot of successful people look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I realized, I was like, it's their mindsets. It's the way they approach life. It's the way they pursue challenges. It's the way they seek perspective and deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. And that's when I identified those and said, I think those are your mindsets that are, are, are deep-seated, so they affect everything you do, whether it's subconsciously or consciously. But it is possible to change those and therefore improve your likelihood to be successful in everything you do. Uh-huh. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and so in terms of the pu- getting the publisher, so you said, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how that happened? So you said you just you had a book written and then you, you sort of sent it in um, as, you know, here's, here's what my, my book is uh, and with, along with the letter. Is that sort of how you went about it? Yeah, and that, that came down the road a little bit. Initially it was okay. Okay, I'm I'm an unpublished author with very little platform at this point. Traditional publishers publishers typically want somebody with a following, with a platform. Sure. Hopefully, that's already written a book. That, that's a less risky prospect than somebody that's never done it before. Mm. Fortunately, with technology nowadays, you could self-publish a book. There's a lot of great resources. So I interview people and ask questions and researched and kind of learned the various ways you could publish. Realized that spending a lot of time and energy going after the big publishers probably was not going to be the best bet for the first book. Yes. But I, but I did want guidance and help and resources from people that knew what they were doing. So that's where I focused on that more hybrid approach mm-hmm. and did some research. And then through interviewing different people, every, authors and, and speakers, they're more than willing to share their advice and, and give tips. And so as I was interviewing them, they, they introduced me directly to these publishers and I started speaking with the publishers and, as a result, ended up accepting an offer from one. So it was it was this process of discovery and interviewing that opened up different doors that led to that publisher. Yes, yeah, nice. Um, and I like that you uh, you were just going in there to to seek advice. It wasn't like you were you were asking these people, "Hey, introduce me to your publisher." But obviously, through talking to them, that uh, they obviously saw that saw potential in you and and realized you, you had a good book. So. They, they they felt comfortable introducing you. Yeah, but there, there's definitely naysayers along the way. I mean, going into those meetings wasn't always easy because the people that had done it already and had been successful, they typically what they were saying is, "Hey, this is really hard, and your chances of success are really low." <laughs> you know, <it's> a, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
hurrah, it's going to be great. Good luck. You'll do, you'll do well. So those meetings I had to go in knowing, Hey, there's a good chance they're going to just say, Hey, this probably isn't for you. You don't have a platform. You don't have any followers, Hmm. but keep having those meetings because every meeting I got something out of it that kept the process moving forward. Hmm. Fantastic. And so, uh, I guess I've, I've got two, two questions around the, the delving into the publisher publisher side of things more you said that you were um you know you didn't really have a much of a following or much of existing platform um which is uh publishers like if you've already got a following uh, so i guess how did you get around that um and get in even though you didn't have a following already i think a big benefit that i had was the, the notoriety i'd gained in my industry for what uh-huh. i had accomplished at a young age so i think the publisher saw promise in the fact that i had received awards and um, had been one of the youngest advisors to accomplish some things in the country. And so I think they saw a brand that they could help build and push. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a publisher wants to know if somebody's looking to write a book, what's your niche? Mm-hmm. Even though the seven mindsets of success applies to a large audience, they want to know who's the market that is going to, is going to receive this from you and what have you done to give yourself credibility. And so we really framed our message when we were, sending the book in that, hey, here's who I am, here's what I've done, here's the market and the target audience that will definitely pick this book up because they want what I have. And then as it applies to more people, I think you get kind of an overflow effect of other markets. But we said, here's our target market, financial advisors. And mm-hmm. that's, a big, that's a big market and they want the knowledge I have. And then it went from there. Yeah, nice, nice. And for someone uh, listening who isn't that far down the track of writing a book, um, what does a publisher actually do? So what is your being some of the benefits of being uh, aligned to a publisher? So they take care of all the production of the book uh, and the shipment of it when orders come in, which is which is great. Mm. They were great with the interior layout and cover design. Uh-huh. I would have had, of course, you could hire your own graphic designers and hire editors and proofreaders. You can piece it together, but having one source that coordinates that for you, they're helping with the audio version of the book. Mm-hmm. they're applying some of their own resources to marketing the book. And I think that depends on the author's platform already. How much are they willing to put on based on how well they think the book will do? Yeah. They have authors that have been New York times bestsellers and they're spending a lot of money to, to promote their next books. But on mine, I had to really sell them. Hey, here, here's why I'm a good investment. And they'll set up interviews or they'll put, stuff on billboards, different places and use their connections. So for me, it was really helpful. The nice thing about the hybrid approach that I thought is that I actually retain the ownership of the work. Yes. Okay, which, cool. Which was appealing to me. You're, you're giving up a little more on the promotion side. So I had to take on a little more of that mm-hmm. and spend a little more money, but I think that was worth it. Yeah. To not be on the hook to write a future book or be committed to a publisher for, for more books in the future on some certain timeline was appealing to me. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think as a, as a first-time author, I said I, I'd like to have a little more control. I have a successful business that takes a lot of my time during the day. I don't want to be pulled into a full-time role quite yet. Mm-hmm. So I think if somebody says, hey, I enjoy my life and what I'm doing, but I think I have something to share, there, there's a way to put your foot in the water of that world and learn a lot without having to dive full head in and take on a lot of risk when you don't really know what it takes quite yet. Yeah, nice. Are you going to do the audio book yourself or is, is someone else doing that? As in, are you going to read it out? i that now. That's a great question. 
if I can get Morgan Freeman to do it, then I'll let him do it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, he hasn't returned my call yet, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, man, I reckon I, I reckon it'd be good if if, uh, if you did it, but uh, I think I so. Reckon, yeah. yeah. Um, or Morgan Freeman, either, either of the two. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I like that you talked about that, you know, you can go out there and do it um, all yourself and that you can piece together the uh, cover design, the, the interior stuff, the typesetting, uh, bringing that all together yourself, the editing. But I guess working with the publisher, they've, they've done it so many times that they, uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they'll, they'll keep you on track. So you're, you're hitting the, the dates you need to and, and I have friends, they've, they've gone through the process and they've done a great job on their own, but it seems a, a six-month launch plan ends up turning into a year-long launch plan because life happens and you're, you're taking it all on by yourself. Mm. And, and again, that is possible and people have done it well, but, but for me, with everything I have going on, it was helpful to have some accountability on the timeline. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and in terms of, of writing the book itself, uh, obviously you said you've still got your full-time job. You've got a, um, I think you mentioned at the start you've got a wife and daughters, uh, so when did you actually get the time to write the book, and, and how did you go about that? Yeah, it was uh, nights, weekends, and nap times. Where, yeah. <laughs> so that, I think that's why it took about a year, and I, ha- I found a great ghostwriter who was a good resource to to take maybe 10 pages of content and interview me and turn it into 20 pages with mm. great references and personal stories. And the biggest feedback I had from the initial readers of the book well before it was launched was that I needed more personal Mm-hmm. material i need more stories people that's what people relate to but with with my background that had that required me asking people permission to share stories that <laughs> were, were <Yeah>. pretty personal <laughs> so that was a learning process that you can put a lot of content in a book and i think people appreciate the content but they also want to feel like they're relating to the author and that they can be pulled into the story and that requires being vulnerable and opening up uh, so the ghostwriter really helped with that mm, nice yeah fantastic um, and I guess if someone was uh, wanting to know, you know, how, how long's a book? How, is, do you have a, a word count? Uh, how long's your, how long's the book? I don't have the word count memorized. Uh, <laughs> the book is 134 pages. It's, it's five by eight, so it's a, yeah. it's one I've heard people have read it in a three hour or four hour plane ride. Uh-huh. So that that was hopefully the goal too. Is hey, you're taking life changing material, but putting it in in such a way that all of us who are really busy that you can take it certainly have to go back and reference it um, but if you can read it and then focus on one of the mindsets at a time you'll you won't have to wait a long time to see change it'll be immediate yeah fantastic i think that um 130 odd pages sounds sounds good as well i feel i don't know i feel sometimes books um the main message gets told in 100 pages but they feel like to be a book it has to be 200 pages so um it seems like it drags on a little bit sometimes and i i heard of a, a interesting statistic for my publisher that they said on average an individual reads about 30 to 35 percent of a book really (laughs) they really most people on average don't finish a book and when i look back i was like man i I have a stack of books that i've read most of and have not not actually finished uh yes (laughs) so chapter headings are really important the the Mm. the title the back cover is really important so there's a science to are you capturing and keeping people's attention because uh Mm. i think studies show the tendency is to start it strong and then just not see it through <laughs> yes yeah for sure um yeah no it's, i'd say you spot on there 
Um, is there any other um, advice you have for aspiring authors, someone who, who wants to do a book one day? Like you said, maybe a lot of people have got that on their list, but um, what do they actually do? I think for me, as I, as I looked at it, and when I started this process, and, and I was at that, that point where it's like, do I move forward with this, what I'm feeling compelled to do, or I do, do I just put it off even longer? Hmm. And the motivation for me was, was that future self-exercise of saying, I know if I don't do this, years will pass, and I'll look back and say, if I only would have started it then, it would be complete now. Yes. So, so I challenge somebody to say, just, just push it forward. And continuously say, am I doing something now that's that's moving this project forward? It doesn't mean you have to write a book in a month or even six months. But but put something on your calendar at least once a week that you're interviewing somebody else about your topic or you're writing a few pages of your book. You're looking into what does it look like to publish a book. Just be intentional about your time and make sure it's moving forward because if it stalls and, and, and you're not pushing it, no one else is going to do it for you. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's good advice, I'd say. Um, is there anything else you, you want to leave us with? That's sort of all of my questions. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the, the motivation behind the book, and this is kind of the final chapter, is the generosity that for me growing up with three sisters and a single mom, that a big motivator for me was to help provide for them. And I think mm. as people realize as they pursue things that there's people with a lot of money out there that aren't that happy. <clears throat> and money's a great thing. You can do a lot with it. But, but focus on what's your true motivation behind what you're doing. Because it, that's going to be the thing that when things get really hard or you have a lot of doubts, that's going to get you through the hard times. Is like, what's really your motivation or your passion behind whatever goal you're pursuing? Yeah, nice, fantastic, mate. Well, I'd say that's that's uh, that's awesome advice, um, and I've I've learned a lot today. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, I appreciate it. Good to meet you. Yeah, same to you, mate. listening to the publisher book podcast we hope you learned something along the way for more interviews with authors from around the world subscribe to the podcast or visit publisherbookpodcast.com